Welcome to the Bike Portland podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Maz. My guests this week are members of Timberwolves Cycle Recovery, also known as the Sith Lord Vader Squadron Timberwolves. It's a grassroots group of Portlanders who are taking the law into their own hands to recover stolen bicycles. They are led by Royal Johnson, uh, and he joined me in the shed along with Laura DeLago, the group's treasurer, and Rich Baker, who coordinates their events and rides. Royal started the group in Austin, Texas in 2011, and he maintains a chapter of the group there as well as one in Los Angeles, Colorado, and Houston. Their MO is to enlist people to help them spot stolen bikes, uh, research online to find out if the bike is stolen or not, and then if it is, they'll hit the streets and try to recover it. I've watched this group online for a few years now, and we profiled them on Bike Portland back in October. I'll include a link to that story and the group's Instagram in the show notes. I wanted to have Royal on the show because on March 18th, he went on one of those recovery missions uh, in the South Waterfront District that was first reported as a robbery by gunpoint. Uh, alarmed by the initial reports that I saw, uh, we decided to do a story immediately based on details from both an OHSU campus alert and a police report that I confirmed with the police uh, who said that someone had flashed, that a witness told them that someone had flashed a gun and robbed someone of a blue electric bike near the intersection of Southwest Sheridan and Moody. Uh, but soon after we published our story, we figured out that, that Royal and the Timberwolves uh, were involved and that perhaps the person who reported the gun wasn't telling the truth. It kind of turned into a mess after that. Uh, I did try to follow up and clarify everything that happened, but for Royal and the Timberwolves, the damage was done. Uh, someone in the community made it even worse by apparently spreading rumors that Royal actually did flash a gun, uh, and Royal, who is black, has gone online in recent days saying it's just another example of racism in the cycling community. Adding to the complexity of this situation are long-simmering concerns that his group and actually other people in the bike community unfairly target homeless people with their many social media posts that show bikes parked next to tents and then imply that they are stolen before having any proof that the bikes are actually indeed stolen. There's a very fine line between being frustrated with bike theft and accusing innocent people, especially already vulnerable people who live in tents on the street, of being thieves. So Royal and I agreed he should come over to the shed so we could hash everything out. Uh, one quick note, I only expected Royal to uh, be with me on this episode, so when he showed up with Laura and Rich, I had to scramble a bit to make the interviews work out. Luckily, I have four mics here, so it was fine, but I'm not used to managing a four-way interview, so just keep that in mind as you listen. Here's our conversation. Let's see. Let's just go around and give folks a sense of uh, who we're talking to in the room today. Uh, Royal, how'd you end up in Portland? I'm from Austin, Texas, and uh, I believe about in 2014 is when I decided to expand or at least find another place to move to because my hometown was becoming a little overran by a... Uh, people there taking the culture out of it but um yeah so i just decided that I, one day that i was just gonna come and see what portland was about because in austin they say it's a sister city at the time still kind of is but yeah that's what motivated me to get here cool what about you rich you've been here a long time short time what been here since 2015 moved here for a fragrance gig selling uh cologne downtown and 
Portland and then uh, started biking a lot and, uh, you know, have loved biking ever since and uh, just immersed myself in the bike culture here and, uh, you know, just loving the, the bike scene so far. Uh, t- tell me again your role in the Timberwolves. Um, I'm a coordinator, so like planning events and things like that. And, um, you know, mainly uh, leading the Foster Night Ride and having a presence on all the bike rides. That's kind of what I do. Cool, cool. Yeah, it's a pretty good job of that. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Laura, Laura, what about you? Yeah, so I moved to Portland uh, to go to college back in 2014. Was looking to go to school, um, kind of seeking out Portland specifically to go to school because um, I never learned how to drive, and it seemed like somewhere where I could get by. Um, so I got a bike right away. Didn't really get more involved into the bike scene until I met Royal, honestly. Before that, I would just pop in on group rides with my friends, but not really, never really got to know other people. But yeah, in the Timberwolves, I'm the treasurer, so... I'm basically there to, if we throw any events, make sure all the money's in order and um, keeping track of the club funds. We'd say we have like an event where we have to have a fundraiser for somebody's bicycle to be replaced. Laura would definitely pick the event with Rich and then we would, they would manage the, the financial perspective of that. Cool. And I assume like, I know all you ride are like in the social rides, like Thursday night ride, kind of just in the scene. Is that kind of how you came into knowing about each other and stuff like that? I mean, Petapalooza is what nah. kind of did it for, for me and Laura. Me and Rich have been like, you know, we commute yearly. So we're pretty much on TNR and FNR and Foster Night Ride, of course. And, um, you know, yeah, we've had a couple of summers together. They were pretty fun. So we, you know, we made us closer. Cool. So how, give me the, give me the background on how, what the Timberwolves are and then how it came together, how it started and when. Well, um, in June 5th, 2011 in Austin, Texas, um, a week before then I actually got my bike stolen and, um, I tracked it, located it, found it. And after that, I just realized to myself, like I could definitely use this kind of insight to, um, you know, help other people. Around that time, Austin's cycle theft problems were on the rise, and we've effectively called ch- started Chapter One. And Chapter One, SLVS stands for Sith Lord Vader Squadron. I mean, it, there's no reference to Star Wars, pretty much, but it just sounds good coming off the tongue. And it's the first ch- Austin, Texas, is the first chapter. And after this. It happened when someone stole my bike. We have effectively started tracking and locating other people's bicycles, and, you know, we were making results happen. The results were so, you know, immense that the local law enforcement were upset that we were doing more recoveries on stolen property than they were. And, um, you know, after it became successful, I passed the torch to a, a, good, a good friend of mine by the name of Mike, Michael Green. He is now SLVS Chapter 1 president. And a couple of my friends took it to Los Angeles. I went to Portland, and I moved here about the summer of 2014. And as soon as we touched ground, we started recovering bicycles. I mean, we were, like, kind of, like, you know, put together. Like, you know, we weren't organized as well as we are now. But we were definitely organized enough to cause some type 
of change in that particular situation when it comes to bike theft. Gotcha. And and I, I had you over today. We kind of agreed that you wanted to talk a little bit more about a specific bike theft recovery, right? One that happened on March 17th. Yes, sir. Or March 18th or, yeah, Friday, Saturday. A, I think it was the 18th. 18th. So, so I'm hoping we can uh, just kind of get that get that out in the open. Uh, we reported it one way on Bike Portland, and folks that have read both stories can see what happened. We initially published it based on very, very little information uh, that we had from like a police dispatch log, and then also OHSU uh, on the campus. They had by there's like a federal law, I guess, that they have to report out stuff uh, if there's a weapon involved which is what they thought based on that police log. Uh, so we basically just mimicked that, parroted that, put it out on a story out of an abundance of caution for the community. It wasn't until a couple hours later we realized that maybe that wasn't really what happened. And then I got in touch with you, Royal, and started thinking, oh, okay, put the connected the dots that the Timberwolves were involved. So we cleaned up that first story and then did another story just trying to say what happened. Turns out, well, I'll let you kind of explain your perspective because <laughs> since you were actually there as part of Timberwolves, how did it go down from what you saw? Um, I got a call. I, I didn't get a call. I got a message on the Timberwolves cycle theft recovery Instagram that said that they had spotted a stolen bicycle that matched the identification of one that was stolen in September. And I like, Oh, okay. That's a former Timberwolves bicycle. The bicycle that it was stolen and recovered was a former one of our members that is not too happy with me. But I I go out, I get in my car, I contact the person that spotted it. I told them to just stay on it, just make sure there's eyes on it until I get there to match the information that we have. And when I get there, the bike's there, out, plain as day, and I go, I check the serial number, and it matches the information I have. I check the pictures, and it matches, it's the same bicycle. So after that, um, I just go and I don't take the bike. I don't, I don't touch the bicycle until I let these individuals know, hey, this is happening. And I was like, okay, wait, wake up. He wakes his friend up. Dude comes out. I'm like, you're in possession of a stolen bicycle. We've matched the serial number to that we, that we have, the information that we have to the bicycle. I even let him see it. And he was, I don't even think he was really with it all there. And, I mean, he's agreeing, I guess. This is not mine. Like, I don't know. I don't even know how this got here. I was like, it's okay. We're not here to, to hurt you or harm you or getting you in any trouble or whatnot. We just want to make sure this bike is back. And then he agrees. So we start taking off his property that's on it, other people stolen paneers, et cetera, et cetera. And then as soon as the bike starts to leave, that's when he flips the script. He's like, oh, my God, that somebody gave me that. I was like, this, look, we've already shown you that this information that matches to the bike. It's not yours, man. And I go. I put the bike on my bike rack. He jumps in the street, starts screaming at me still. I'm just like, yo, that's not going to change anything. And I get in my car, and I drive away. There was, like, that's it. Like, basically, like, eventually the other witness came to meet up with me and we verified again whose bike this was 
And after that, I went to go drop it off to her. Unfortunately, about this situation is that the guy that I recovered the bike for is more out of trying to make me look like a bad person than him stepping up and owning his own bicycle. Okay, I hear what you're saying. So the person who was in possession of the bike at the time you showed up, this was a, this a person like living under the underpass. Yeah, so it was a houseless individual. Like okay. he obviously was not able or even in in, in any ability to own a three thousand dollar electric bicycle underneath a bridge. I'll talk about that in a sec. But to stick to the incident in particular, so who do you think? Uh, how did the police call get to be what it was? Do you think the the person who had the possession of the bike did it or? Yeah, I believe so, strongly that the guy that 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 re- made the report, the dude that was calling the cops, was trying to get the cops to have a faster reaction based on the threat level. I mean, I guess in his mind, he was like, "No cops gonna come down here to help me recover a bike that I stole unless the it, it was an imminent situation." And I did not have a gun. Nor do I understand why he would do that being who he is and his situation, because normally these people are not trying to have the police involved in anything they're doing. And um, I mean, it was it was sad to see, but I mean, that could have definitely caused consequences for me and the witness and him probably, too. Right. Thinking if. um. If they would have, if we had like a more responsive, functioning police force. Yes. And they would have rolled up quickly, or maybe there was one in the neighborhood. Yeah. And with guns hearing, drawn. They're hearing that a dude just stole a bike with a gun. Yes. Right. And even though it didn't, on the call, it said it was a white guy. <laughs> and obviously I'm not white. Which, which is another weird thing about it. And uh, it was a gray SUV, a gray BMW yeah. SUV. But I mean, if the cops show up. They're thinking a gun's drawn. They see you there being a black person. That could have been not great. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. So it boggles my mind that even if there was another white male in the in the vicinity with a a, a, a gray SUV, it would have been his. He would have really been. He could have endangered someone else yeah. by making a false false police report. So, so what if, what if the guy that you approached had no idea it was stolen? He knew. Because we, that bike has been been sold, bartered, sold, bartered all the way from Albina down to the southwest waterfront. And with my history with how this goes is that, I mean, if you're not like fronting like you're going to do something to harm someone, this is what opportunists do in these situations. Or if you cannot get me to reason with you because you know you're at fault. And all of these things happened before the repossession took place. Like, you got a reason with me. I'm showing you facts. Like, actual concrete evidential facts. You can't argue with that. But you can make this into a situation where you're, it's a me versus you. So why, why is the owner of the bike? not super happy and what he what you're saying he's kind of spreading stuff around maybe well, making you look worse and adding to the the fuel to the fire here in this situation the way i see it at least is that when the twitter post went out about us 
I remember at one point I was like, we were not involved because of the situation was saying there was a gun, a white person, uh, SUV, like all those things. I, I was baffled by even how that had to do with it. So I was like, no, we're not. And then I turned to find out that on Twitter, this person is basically saying that we are the ones involved in the incident with a bike that he owns. Mm-hmm. I hear you saying. I don't even know if you saw the Bike Portland article, but I think, correct me if I'm wrong, Royal, I think what was brought to our attention was that someone had responded to a tweet of Bike Portland's about the incident and this account that's anonymous, what we suspect is from the bike owner, just given different details. <laughs> um, I, potentially that was the first ta- like tag of like, this is the Timberwolves. Like, I'm not sure if that tweet happened before any of the co- article comments, but that was at least the first I, one that we saw where someone was like, this is the Timberwolves. I like, was contacted yeah, at yeah. six in the morning and by John. And then later on, this tweet was made. Yeah. Late, I told him, like, I would talk. We'll talk later. We'll figure this out. And as soon as we started to figure it out, the bike owner is trying to point at us saying that guy has a gun, basically. So he's not refuting that anything necessarily happened, but he's trying to add fat, add add details that maybe that make you look worse. And yes. to he, he's sort of adding the gun thing. Yeah. So, so maybe it's plausible that the guy you that you took it from physically there, right? The guy who was the homeless guy who thought it was his bike, but you took it from him, right? Or you repossessed yeah. it. It's it's plausible that. He called it into the cops, embellished it, and said a gun was involved. And once that kind of got out into the public, this guy who who owned the bike thought, oh, that that's a good way to, to go a jab at Royal. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm going to go ahead and kind of say that it could happen or like yeah, I'm going to paint I'll, that. There's a, a possibility that I see. Royal recovered and, my bicycle yeah. with a gun. Yeah, and it's all – and it's all. I think part of this is that the kind of stuff that you're doing already makes some people uncomfortable because of the – interaction aspect especially because there's a lot of interaction with people living outside with homeless people right and there's that very fine line to walk around are they guilty or not of being in possession of a stolen bike do they know what's going on right could it just be theirs so that's already i think a part of this so i think do you think that's kind of how like why someone people were wanting to like make this connection or maybe we we have pretty good community outreach okay we're not we're not there, we're not, there's not a war against homeless people. Like most of the individuals that we approach help us recover stolen bicycles. This isn't like a gun ho craze, like, like us versus them. There is none of that. There's only one community here, and that's the entire Portland, city of Portland. And anybody that, I mean, situational awareness would, could tell you some things. And this person. I knew this person didn't own this bicycle. There are people that do own bicycles that are homeless. That is true, and we do not. We we. There's no biasness. Like we'll we'll treat you as a human being. We'll talk to you about what's going on. We'll definitely make sure that like your understanding of what's taking place here. Yes, is a possibility that houses individuals can own bikes they did not steal. That's why we do not go after individuals with nothing less than professionalism. So I hope that answers your question. Yeah, I mean, can, can you expand on that a little bit? Just like what kind of uh, practices do you have in place to make sure that those things don't happen, right? So how do you – do you have some stuff that you do with the wolves or like we, we, best practices so that you 
you don't approach a camp or something. I think it's already okay. uncomfortable okay. for some I folks. Your, that I can see. You. So we don't approach any camps unless there are numbers. If we're in numbers, we also still come to the situation like we're not here to harm you. This isn't something like we're trying to get you in trouble. We just want you guys to help us locate and identify this bicycle. And most of them agree. They're like, well, all right, yeah, we have seen that. We will help you. And then at the end of the day, regard reward or not, they are still, you know, we're, we're, our relationship doesn't change. And, so, and some of them, we do help out a lot. So it could be. So stating your intentions at the beginning is kind of one of the ways to, to kind of suss out, make yeah. sure it's not going to be a yeah, bad interaction. I think there's more likely to be a conversation when we're recovering a bike than like a altercation. Mm. Because uh, 99% of the time, you know, we research and find the bike, get the facts straight, and then we go recover the bike. And if there's any problem recovering the bike, we have a conversation with the people who are currently possessing the bike. And if not then, that there's still going to be a situation we get the owner involved. And when the owner can identify their own bicycle and this such said perp won't give it back, then the police have to do their job. Like there's a there's like steps to this. And none of them have to do with brute force or violence towards Laura, anyone. Yeah. Laura, did you wanna did you have something to add? Um, well, I guess just going back to your initial question about um uh you know avoiding just targeting homeless folks or house on house um, individuals. Um, I think it's important to note that when Royal and the rest of the club are doing recovery work, it's always going out with a bike or a few bikes in mind. It's not going out and saying, let's go confront a bunch of people and make them feel bad about their situation. It's like, Hey, we have these five bikes that have been, that are still missing, you know, cause we have a page where people will post if they need help. So it's more of going out. Like we have five bikes in mind. Let's ride around either in a car or in a bike and see if we spot it. It's not, you know, it's like with a specific bike in mind, not like a specific target, like, okay. okay. Uh, not like a specific, like, um, yeah. Like targeting specific people. I'll direct it to Royal just because I think you're the one doing the posts and stuff for the most time. Are you worried at all, though, that just by posting so many pictures of homeless camps and bikes and being like, does anybody own this? Which I think is a lot of your posts. Are you worried, though, that that could inflame someone who is not as careful about this, who maybe is already sort of biased and angry with people living outside? You know, that exists. I mean, I mean we like I said, again, we don't come at this situation like these are the enemy. The real enemy here I see is the local government not taking care of its of its residents. And is that why is that why is that one of the things that really drives you to do? Yes, the there's recovery? not a lot of there's not a lot of funding towards actual services in Portland that would provide a more you know reasonable way of handling this situation than just being active in the community and curving what I can. And so, go ahead. Yeah, is that is that how you see the work of Timberwolves? Is it kind of like the guardian angels thing? Is it is it the community stepping up and saying we are going to do what we're is not going happening? We're going to make sure that there is a strong playing field between being houseless, losing your bicycle, and the efforts that it would take to professionally recover these by still having everybody's peace of mind. Do you mind sharing a little bit about how you go about that? Is there anything else beside 
I mean, obviously you see something um, looks so, out of place. You can look on Bike Index or whatever. Any other tricks or ways that you guys do your research or anything like that? Well, Bike Index is like the major hub of like where you can like find your stolen bicycle or you can register it. So there's a lot of other individuals or even like groups like PDX Stolen Bicycles or PDX Find My Ride, Bike Index, like I said, we all work together in order to like, you know, have a process where if once the bike comes missing, you can look on bike index. Once you find out where it is, you can call the Timberwolves. We'll come and do, you know, we'll look, take a screen at this and then see which is the best effective way of getting it back without anybody getting hurt. Uh, any idea like uh, how many recoveries you've been involved in or how many bikes you've gotten back? This, and since I've lived here since 2014, <laughs> quite a lot. Up to you, yeah. <laughs> quite a lot. <laughs> you, don't, you don't have a number? You don't mark them I down? I think like it's on been your... like at least over 1,000 since 2014. But in the last year, I'm going to say at least about 14. Dang, is it? And it's usually like eyes on the street? You just see something? Yeah, most of it's like finding a needle in a haystack. And if the needle moves... And the haystack that you're trying to, like, you know, look for it in, it's just a matter of time before it comes up. It's just that I don't recommend to anybody without any type of experience, no matter if it's, like, talking to people or, you know, repossession. I don't think that anybody should just be strongly doing that. They should probably come and use what we have here. And that's, you know, strong-minded individuals with, in the, with their hearts in the right place. And speaking of which, you've done some, you do like public events where people can come and like, what, what do they do with the, what we do you overwatch. do with those? You learn the ins and outs or you like, you kind of get people up to speed or what? We, we, we like the community to come and see the effectiveness of it. See, we are, and they can also learn some things. And it's basically like, we want you to see exactly what's going on here. So, you know, exactly if you want to start learning how to do this on your own, then you can have the steps there in order to see that this is ex effective. And yes, we do train our own members, especially the new ones, how to do this. There's only like six or seven of us that are actually, you know, in the Department of Cycle Theft Recovery. There is an administration department. There's an ambassador wing. There's what there's a coordinator. There, there are all different pieces of our, you know, makeup. And me and about four others are what makes up the Overwatch Recovery. And we do those those classes so people can see. Yes. And this is a fully all volunteer, unsanctioned thing. There's no nonprofit status or anything we like that. We don't have the uh, nonprofit. There, I do most of the, you know, it comes out of pocket for me to fund most of the things that we're doing. And yes. This is free. Even our recoveries are free. We don't we don't charge anyone anything. The only thing that we would like them to do is register their bicycles and support the cause in any way they can by either educating themselves or, you know, be on the watch like the rest of us. Basically, we want the whole city to be like that. It's not like we want to be the only ones that recover bicycles. We just want to do it properly. And if other people took the, you know, rise to do this with us, then we can all form an even stronger, you know, organization that eventually would prevent this from taking place at all. I'm, I'm sitting here thinking in my head of how uh, your approach to it and the approach that I took to it years ago when I was like, I'd say bike theft's too, getting too crazy in this town. It's out of control. Uh, and I'm saying this knowing completely that I'm a white guy in the position I'm in and you're a black guy. And I was like, 
I'm done with bike theft. So guess what I did? <laughs> Made a podcast. <laughs> 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 what did you do, John? Oh my god. <laughs> Hey, that's good. No, I put together a little one-page piece of paper with some ideas and walked down to the to the uh, central precinct. Had a meeting with the police chief of police, who I knew just from doing bike and traffic stuff. And in, in in the older days, they used to actually do a lot of traffic stuff, and we had like this whole thing with the bike community. Uh, so I knew I knew the chief of police at the time, and I just got a meeting with them, and I was like, "Hey, bike theft's out of control." We got to do something. We, you have some officers that are trying to recover bikes, but they want more time. And I was like, I remember slid the piece of paper across the thing. And he's like, all right, this looks good. We'll do this. But I don't know if you know, but like that whole thing, it was it was good for a while. We had a, the, we had a cop that kind of did what you're doing. Uh, he was doing this with us long time okay, ago. Okay, there you go. There yes, you go. That's how this, how, I forget what, I think his name Dave, is Detective Daniels. Dave Sanders was Sanders, his name. Dave yeah. Sanders. He, he. We would. What is it called? Five something garage. What, yeah, yeah. The the five two nine garage. Yeah. And bike index back in the day, working in the same kind of lane. But yeah, I'm not sure if they're working together. Detective Sanders reached out to me and told me that he would be able to have you know at least be on site as we're matching the serial numbers uh, yeah. to the bikes that we have in mind. And we were not even as organized then as we are now. So I would wish that the that you know, Portland, you know, police bureau would get back a bike theft task force so the community could at least you know dispatch what they know to them, and then if you know this, yeah. this could be a, this could be something. This could be a, a game changer. Yeah, I mean that's why I brought that up because I was curious what your feeling was about coordinating with the police. If you because some people in your position would be like, you know what, we're doing this because. We don't want the police to do this, or they can't do it well. But you're I saying you'd like everybody the help. would do this. You I, would like the help, and the coordination would work. You yes, think? I think yeah. the coordination between all cyclists and the cops when it comes to this kind of stuff, the more aware you are of it, the more that you see that this is a situation that you should probably, you know, put, you know, you should pretty have an effort in. Um, it would help us all. It because you know little girls' bikes get jacked too. You know? Yeah, everybody's bikes are getting <laughs> yeah. stolen. Everybody's bikes uh, are getting stolen. So if you you see some fool on a damn trike that obviously with the tassels, and I and you that would that would make me want to do something quickly. No, I hear you. Okay. I'm wondering if you're willing to talk about the stuff you posted on Facebook yesterday. Just you wrote something, you said, That's my TED talk. Thanks for listening. Oh yes. And you said some things about racism in the cycling community that you, you've experienced. And I I think as your like, if the profile of the Timberwolves grows, uh, the fact that you're leading it, the fact that you're saying that stuff and you're feeling that, what do you want to say about that now? I mean, I've literally been called the N word, like just on a TNR, you know, just just hanging out with my friends. I mean, I'm not the best, per- I'm not perfect, but I I'm loud, I have fun, I do, I'm I myself. There's no reason why a person could, should be persecuted in any way for being them being who they are, no matter if they're a girl or a boy, he, whatever it may be. You have the right to exist, and as long as you're not hurting anyone and causing any types of problems, which I've never, I am persecuted by individuals in the cycling community, and I am probably the only person that looks like me. I'm just going to put it like that. So what 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 made you want to share that? I imagine that's kind of the because first time it, you said it, that yesterday. Because it's in everything. It's mm. in like 
uh, people need to realize that for in order for change to happen or for good things to flourish, and you got to let go of the old. And most people are just ch- scared of change. And I am a big part of change since I moved here in 2014. This is if this is what's going on, and people are trying to put a stop to any of the agendas that I'm I, I'm I'm doing. I'm getting sure if I was a white person, it'd be a whole lot. It'd be a different story. Yeah, because you think some of that is maybe related to you leading the Timberwolves and stepping out and doing this big thing in the community. And yes, I do. I, I and I mean, judge me by my character and. But my character has never been anything but original in myself. So if that is a big problem for people, then I'm tough cookies. <laughs> I'm I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> no, I hear you. Fair enough. Yeah. Anything else you want to say about the Timberwolves or? We have a lot of rides coming up on our roster this summer. And I would like people to get to know us, honestly, before they can make any types of judgments and to have an open mind. Um, what I do is very serious, so I take it serious. And um, we do this nonprofitly for everybody. No one care what what kind of bias you might have. Obviously, in this situation, this is what I'm worried about when it comes to people having bias towards me, no matter if I recovered a bicycle or not. And, and the only race is a human race. So if individuals can, you know, educate themselves on how serious this is for all of us in this community, I definitely appreciate that. Sounds good to me. Thanks for coming over and talking about it. Thank you. That was Royal Johnson, Laura DeLago, and Rich Baker of Timberwolves Cycle Recovery. The Bike Portland Podcast is a production of Pedaltown Media Incorporated. If you liked this episode, please subscribe and browse our archives for past shows. Leave us a review and tell your friends about it. Bike Portland is a community media source that relies on the community and individual subscribers to stay in business. Please sign up today if you aren't a subscriber already. And I'm your host, Jonathan Maz. Until next time, I'll see you in the streets. Bye.